but connecting those points is the person submitting their ID really the person entering the unit is their intention you know what they say it is are they trying to book for somebody else are they masking their identity is the credit card reported you know lost or stolen or fraudulent all of those data points for hospitality were never put together and so we we kind of figured that you know if not us then who one of those things What's up, everybody? My name's Mike Shogren here with my co-host, Emmanuel Pani. We're part of a group of specialized real estate investors you've probably never heard of. We didn't start with deep pockets or wealthy families, and we don't rely on 401ks, mutual funds, or traditional real estate investing. In fact, many of us don't even own the properties that fund our freedom. If you ask the money experts out there, they'd say what we do is impossible, yet it's happening every single day. It's happening through a new niche called short-term rentals. We are Short-Term Rental Nation, and these are our secrets. What's going on at STR Nation? Welcome back to another episode of the Short-Term Rental Secrets Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Shogren, here back with my main man and brother from another mother, Mr. Emmanuel Pani. What's up, B? Man, I missed you. It was it was weird seeing a podcast go live and not being part of it. Huge FOMO. Um, just, I know you had the FOMO with Dr. Rachel, but we had to press on. I know, I know. And it is it is what it is, you know. Uh, but coming back from... A quick little Italy trip, but super grateful and just energized. Um, one of my very, very best friends in the world got married. Um, so just grateful to had the opportunity to kind of be there. Um, friends since like high school, right? So like friends since we we're like 14 and a half. And just, I don't know, it's just, to me, that's what life is, right? Like to me, it's like the, the ability to be there for important moments in the lives of people that I love. I don't need to do anything else, right? Like if I can do that kind of consistently and be there for those moments that I, they're not really quantifiable in any other way, but the feeling that you have when you're there, um, that's that's all I got, you know what I mean? So I'm like, it was just amazing. And the wedding was beautiful. Uh, typically Italian wedding started at like 11.30. We finished eating at like 9.30 at night. I, I don't know how I survived. Um, started drinking wine at 1130 in the morning too. And somehow I survived. Uh, but hey, it's, it's, you know, we made it. We made and it. And I think I saw, did you get that text on the appraisal while you were in Italy? I saw that no. Though, so that came actually. So that Friday, the, the appraisal sent me a text being like, Hey, I sent in the thing. I'm like, what, what was it? And he's like, I can't tell you the bank has to review and tell you. But for those that have been following the appraisal came in for my big refi, uh, came in over what we needed, significantly over what we needed, uh, which, I mean, never happens. Um, so <laughs> it was it was another like super. I don't mean to to be super emotional on this episode, but it's just a super emotional moment of like kind of hearing hearing the news and hearing the number, and I I just my my eyes got kind of full of tears because you you realize everything that kind of went into it, right? So the past like 10 years and, and the maintenance runs and, and being a maintenance guy and then the whole kind of journey and then COVID and thinking I couldn't afford it and <laughs> not being able to pay my mortgage and, and everything else. And then getting what I needed and getting over what I needed. Um, I just assumed that something was going to come up or this was going to come in under. Um, I mean, Mike is the first person I texted. We have a, a group chat 
with all of the people that have been with me through this journey from when I had only 16 units. Uh, it was, it was now you got 40, bro, or 40 yeah. something now, which is amazing. 40 and, and getting a, getting a nice loan, uh, nice low payment. So it's, it's good. Life is good. I love it, man. That's awesome. Well, I'm, I'm excited for today's guest. Um, I'm going to do her official and read her bio here, and then we're going to introduce her. But uh, today on the show, we have Ella Mezhaborski with us. She is the AutoHost CPO and one of the co-founders. She handles the intersection of customer success and product development, setting priorities and driving the product roadmap based on client feedback. Before transitioning to SaaS, her career involved working in risk management, running her own digital marketing agency and managing a successful short-term rental business in Toronto. In fact, it was her experience in the short-term rental industry that exposed her and her co-founders to the massive security void plaguing property managers. And it's the reason that they built AutoHost. So Ella, welcome to the show. Super pumped to have you with us today. Thank you. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm doing good. That was like a, a thorough overview. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, tell us a little bit more about like your background and how you got into the short-term rentals and then how that evolved into AutoHost. Um, oh, okay. I try to do it in a, in a nutshell. So, so, so as, as you kind of mentioned, I really did uh, start off in digital marketing. So I had a digital marketing agency um, and kind of enjoyed the nomad life with it. So we would work remote, rent our place, go and travel, kite surf when it's windy, work when it's not. Um, so life was good and simple and, and kind of things evolved. So while we're away, we, we rented out our place. We saw the potential in short term rentals. I'm gonna make a guess that 90% of, of the industry probably starts that way. Your eyes kind of open up, you see what the potential is. And so the decision was made that when we come back to Toronto, it's not financially logical to go back to our place. It's making way too much money. Let's take another one. And, and let's design it nicely just in case. Let's take some good pictures before we move in our crap. And, and, and that really evolved. So from being in digital marketing and kind of, I guess, utilizing some of those skills, um, we ended up developing uh, a company, a property management company here in Toronto called QuickStay. And then within about a span of a year, we grew to, I think, about 20 properties. And then uh, in, in the following years, we reached a little over 100 at our peak. And, and that was really exciting time. So that's kind of how I got into the, the hospitality space, the short-term rental space, um, kind of by fluke, and then enjoyed the business ownership side of things. Um, and then... As things grow and scale and you start recognizing that um, automation is key. So we, we both come from the, the, the tech space and background, and it was really important to start utilizing tools and technology rather than just growing headcount. A lot of tedious tasks and, um, and, and other just things that come up throughout operations could have been automated. So we started recognizing the value of PMS systems. We're actually a very early guest user. Um, I used to copy paste. Hi, thank you for booking. We'll see you soon or tomorrow's your check-in. Here's the code. Same. I hate it those times. Yeah, yeah. Copy pasting on phone, on the go. So, I mean, auto messages blew my mind at the time. <laughs> Look how, how far we've come. Um, so, yeah. So, and then overall, because 
we we recognize the value of technology and price management and messaging and calendar handling and all of these things, we were also able to recognize some of the gaps that they were missing. And then a very early gap that we discovered was guest screening. Now, mind you, at the time, it was very basic guest screening. It was just, hey, I mean, if somebody's coming to town and they're up for a party, let's just send them a message that is a little bit stricter than you would otherwise, right? But how are you going to start figuring out who's risky and who isn't. So it's one thing when I have my gut feeling, but it's a different thing when we have a team of five, six, seven agents and everybody has their own judgment, risk tolerance, internal lie detector, which is important to, to have. And we kind of find ourselves, you know, putting together this pseudo algorithm. I mean, I drew a decision tree on a board and I said, guys, if it's, you know, this and this and that, let's just say it's green. And if it's this and this and that, let's just assume it's red. And if it's, if it's green, don't capitalize their letters and write that they're not allowed to make noise after 11. It's a lovely couple coming to town for like a, you know, to visit their daughter in university or to go to the opera. And on the other hand though, if it's a younger crowd and they're locals and it's a one night and we're suspecting that it might get rowdy, um, let's just, you know, get a little bit more serious and give them some warnings and so on. So that, that decision tree turned into an internal algorithm um, and, and when it came time to start productizing this internally, uh, we, we pulled in our, our very good friend who's uh, right now Autohost's uh, CTO and CEO, Roy Firestein. He comes from the tech and cybersecurity space. So Roy started off just um, helping from the goodness of his heart um, to help automate things and help QuickStay grow um, with the promise that one day we'll identify the niche and turn this into a SaaS company. And, uh, and, and lo and behold, uh, came the point where we noticed that we need to go way beyond just a simple algorithm to spot parties, but we need to take this to the next level. So QuickStay very unfortunately was hit with um, fraud. That was around Christmas 2018. And so we had a pretty serious fraud ring, booking properties, everything kind of came to a, a halt and explosion around Christmas time. Uh, we lost a little over 20K over this. I mean, could be way worse, not a small amount. And we realized that, sorry, we realized that what we weren't able to monitor, no matter how good our algorithm is, is really the more serious elements of, of problems within hospitality, being credit card fraud and fake identities. And it's one thing if, you know, you can be a human lie detector and see if the person is lying about their intention, but it's a whole other thing if they're using a fake ID and the credit card is stolen and things do match, but it's actually not, not who they claim they are. And that's where um, Roy really helped take this to the next level. And we we built Autohost and productized it. So Autohost, so, go ahead. What The fraud ring was just somebody with fake credit cards booking a bunch of nights and then you guys had to got the fraud charges and had to refund a bunch so, of nights? Is so it was happened? actually, basically, but wow. they started in September. So they were actually feeling us out and using direct booking. So direct booking is a very appealing uh, route to take because you get to build your clientele and you get to avoid service fees and so on. So in retrospect, because we were able to analyze a bunch of things about where they connected their IP, triangulating locations. I mean, a, a lot of cyber investigations went into this and we're actually able to narrow down that it's, um, so police got involved. We end up knowing who it was. It was actually a, a local gang from Montreal 
were in Toronto. And so a lot of the bookings were able to be correlated. They did start booking specifically with us because they felt like they can get through the process. And so they started booking back in September. And yeah, at the time it was just the innocent chargeback. I mean, you can go and investigate every chargeback. As an operator, you just unfortunately accepted being part of your bottom line and chargebacks happen. In retail, you have a line item for theft and hospitality, we have a line item for chargebacks. But, but you don't always stop to think that behind a chargeback, there's a lot more going on, right? A chargeback isn't necessarily Mike using a stolen credit card because he doesn't feel like paying out of pocket. Behind a chargeback, there's a reason why they're masking their identity, why they're choosing not to pay with their own information. Um, and, and that's when you get into the more serious illegal activity, um, drugs and escort services and sex trafficking, specifically what was found in our units. One of them had, um, there was fentanyl found. Um, in another property, what actually happened is that uh, Toronto police called us saying that they had a confirmed sighting of a known gang member posting with automatic weapons on Instagram from one of our units. And the way they knew it was one of our units was because they were logged into the Wi-Fi. What? So without, without even like tagging <laughs> you guys and giving you any free marketing, nope, no credit, <laughs> no credit, like no credit. so unacceptable. Like at least give me some credit. So the thing is, we were in, we were kind of in, you know, leasing and arbitrage, but we also had management clients. So the first thing comes to mind is, oh my God, oh my God, if that client sees their unit, their gorgeous, beautiful, very uniquely designed unit, you cannot mistake like which property it is. Oh, wow. oh my God, let them not see it. We're going to go crashing. Um, yeah, it was, uh, it was interesting. And it was, I mean, that, that's not the business I got into. Like, what is this? I mean, hospitality is beautiful. People travel, people see the world. We get to give them a nice place to stay and be nice to them. And they leave us a good review and I make money. So this was a, a whole other level. So, so yeah, we, once that happened, th there's other crazy stories. So when we're talking fraud, there were situations where one of our units had something that was clearly fraudulent, but, um, but when the cleaners came in, it seemed like everything was fairly clean and tidy, but the electricity bill, bill was through the roof. And long story very short, it was that same gang that booked a number of units in the same building. They just happened to be using this specific unit for laundry for the escort services they were running throughout the building. Um, hmm. and I mean, you get into crazy territory and you know, yeah. like, what if the payment did go through? What if it wasn't charged back? Is that okay that it's happening in your property? And I mean, and the answer is absolutely no. And so that really just kind of took us to the next level and Roy being not just, you know, an amazing developer to help us automate some stuff. We're like, okay, you, you cybersecurity is exactly what hospitality is missing. And the SDR space is unique in that we don't have a reception desk. We're proud of it. We get to automate so many things. You have a smooth and seamless check-in. You can do a self-check-in. You have all these benefits, but that opens abuse and loopholes. And so when we realized that we need to go to the next level, and once effort was put into developing an internal tool for QuickStay, we realized that there wasn't anything else in the market. And we we have clients and users much bigger than us that need this yesterday. And, and that was really the, the starting point of Autohost um, kicking off. And I guess I may have skipped that, but Autohost is a guest screening and automation platform. So 
that's kind of where everything comes together. So we work with operators to, to really automate the screening process, both for scale and automation purposes, but also for effectiveness. So you, you dive into situations where doing the back and forth with a guest, asking questions is full of friction, first of all, and then also could be very ineffective if you're dealing with something that is way over your head. You're muted. Thank okay. you. There we go. I hit a wrong button on my keyboard here. Um, so it started as something internal for you guys because you had this issue that came up with gangs and fraudulent cards and all sorts of shenanigans going on in the units. And then you realize, well, if we're having this issue, there's probably a lot of other people that are having this issue. And then that was the evolution of AutoHost. Like that's how it all started. So step one is what's out there. We, we love technology. We appreciate tools. If somebody went and built something, they're way ahead of us. They thought it through. It, it's developed. We use a lot of tools. But, but there was a gap here. And we're like, there's nothing. Like there's, you know, pseudo screening and some forms you can fill out. You can go to the next level and ask for ID. Sometimes actually have it validated, sometimes not. But connecting those points, is the person submitting their ID really the person entering the unit? Is their intention, you know, what they say it is? Are they trying to book for somebody else? Are they masking their identity? Is the credit card reported, you know, lost or stolen or fraudulent? All of those data points for hospitality were never put together. And so we, we kind of figured that, you know, if not us, then who? One of those things. Yeah. And I love where you've taken it, though, where initially you felt the need of we need some type of screening for guests, period. But then you dovetailed it into creating a great like check-in experience or like when somebody books, like they just fill out this form, just like you would to like verify an identity for like a, a direct booking, like a check-in type of form, like just getting all their information normally. And then it just screens it on the back end. So it still creates this seamless like process of like, okay, great. We're excited to have you. Here's all the information that we need, you know, names, IDs, card to charge, whatever. Standard things, nothing that should throw you exactly, off. Exactly, exactly. So it's not like this big cumbersome thing that people have to fill out and they're like, wait a minute, are we running like a full Corey check on me right now? Or like, what's going on, right? But I, I, I can appreciate it obviously from the operator standpoint, but also from a guest standpoint, it's not like invasive. It's just like, oh, this is just a seamless like process to confirm my booking. Exactly. I will say that it wasn't always like this. So I mean- Oh, I, I've, you know, I've seen- <laughs> Evolution over time. And I've seen you guys like bridge that gap, which I love. Exactly. It's, it's so much more seamless now. Exactly. And when we were forced there, because it, it's at some point you recognize that even though I can be an advocate of trust and safety and, you know, we're the gatekeeper, we're the balancer, our clients are in the business of hospitality. The majority of guests are good guests. Even if you need to still collect information, do your due diligence, be responsible. You don't want them to feel like they're being interrogated or like they did something wrong before they even enter. So I think that we're walking that fine line of how do we make our product amazing in the back end, really serving to, to protect our clients and users, be it for actual safety, to help them keep growing their profit, their unit count and, and their business. And then at the same time, they get to give their guests a really good and smooth guest experience. And that was interesting. It was an interesting challenge to, to have to accommodate. One of the things that I wanted to talk about, because a lot of the newer students in the mastermind or accelerator, they'll, they'll get things up and running and they're all excited. And then they get a, a request or a booking request 
and they get nervous of like, should I accept this booking or like their spidey senses turn on? They're like, something feels off about this. Are there certain questions that people should ask? And then from that point, the thing that I like about Autohost is like, it just makes it like black and white. Like it's like, okay, they run through these, this screening process and it just gives you that extra comfort. But even if they weren't doing that, what are some types of things that people should ask? Like I picked up on, you said those one night local bookings, like those are red flags, right? Especially in like an urban environment. So like, what are some questions that people should ask even if they weren't using like a formal screening tool? Right, so, so first of all, spidey sense is better than no sense. And asking some questions manually is better than not asking them. And, you know, when you just start off, you don't have to jump to a crazy automated tool that does everything for you. You just need to be, first of all, aware of the need for screening and for vetting a guest. So I think that, first of all, being clear on what are your red flags. So local weekend one-nighters is a very classic flag for let's say metropolitan areas, that's your local parties. I'm assuming that vacation rentals out in, you know, out in the country, that's less of an issue. Um, one night parties could be other things. So first of all, given your business, your locations, your clientele from your past experience, because unfortunately everybody had bad experiences. It doesn't have to be gang members with, with automatic weapons. Um, it can be a lot, a lot more mellow than that, but any bad experience, identify where is your risk tolerance. Right. I mean, if you have a property that can host six people, six people by definition is a gathering. But there's a difference between even six girls in a bachelorette party, spilling drinks, playing music really loud, screaming, having other people over and making a possible mess, making the neighbors angry versus a family of parents and a few kids or three couples that are actually enjoying a, a getaway or, or, or so on. So identifying where your red flags are is important. And then I think communicating that with the guests. So you do want to establish things like, you know, if, if the red flags were triggered, I'm passionate about don't just cancel it. That means that it should open up a conversation. So I'm I'm also like I, I never advocate for you know better safe than sorry approach. Better safe than sorry is a pretty slogan, but that leaves them a lot of money on the table. So we don't want to be better safe than sorry. We want to do whatever we can to fine tune who should be accepted and who shouldn't. So even a one night stay of a local on a weekend could be my parents who are just live in the suburbs of Toronto, going to town to the opera and they wanna stay for the night and they book it last minute. By all means, you should take their money. They're not gonna do anything, right? So screening with just, with just specific rules and better safe than story limitations, I think isn't the best business decision. Having said that, you wanna keep your property safe. So that's where conversation should start calling the guests on the phone or messaging them, clarifying what the rules are, making that human connection, understanding that, you know, if your intention is A, then this is just not the right place for it. You can go ahead and cancel, no charges. We don't allow parties. Um, so I think making sure you're reaching the guests, that there's a real person there. It's not somebody booking on behalf of somebody else. They realize they're talking to a human. Um, when you're smaller, that's the bare minimum. I think that's really important to do. Um, and then there's, I mean, original ways, like we've, when we comes to like vacation rentals and houses, we've just kind of said that, you know, the neighbor is a cup. So, and that made a lot of people cancel their reservation. <laughs> so, I mean, you can get original, you can get original with Whether it. Whether it's true or not, I guess. <laughs> a little yeah. white light doesn't hurt anybody. You know? Exactly. Yeah. But what's, what's funny to me is what I realized, and, and I was saying this offline, but before we got on. 
I have relied on doing a lot of direct bookings for the majority of my years of doing this. And as of recent, I started doing, I started using Airbnb more and more just to kind of optimize our, our occupancy. Mm-hmm. What's funny is that now that I'm on Airbnb, I kind of have fallen by the same rules of if they don't have reviews, it feels kind of kind of fishy. But at the same time, I've accepted direct bookings for the past 11 years without any 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 reviews. So you get my gut feeling is really, really strong and really on point from years and years. But what's really funny is just the ability to ask any question usually would usually weed out the worst of people. Because the moment you ask any simple question like, hey, why are you coming into town? Who's going to be there? Immediately, people don't, they're there for no good. They're just not going to answer. So even just asking the most simplest of questions like, hey, why are you coming? And understanding that like the beauty with Airbnb, even if you have a lot of units, the mentality is I'm dealing with somebody's home. So people are expecting for you to ask questions. Anytime that I book on Airbnb, people ask me questions. And I know for a fact that people look me up, right? Because they're like, oh, I know that you're a super host too. I know you have a podcast. So they feel more and more comfortable, right? So the the assumption is that people are going to look you up too as a host, as well as they're going to look you up when you're traveling as a traveler. So there is no, there's no shame kind of behind it. And again, like Mike said, don't be, don't be shy to ask the questions because at the end of the day, you do want the older couple that's just in town for the night, spending five, $600 to go to the opera. And then they don't want to drive back and they want to have a, a whole bottle of wine and just be able to go exactly. home and, and relax. Because also chances are those are going to be great returning clients because chances are if they're going to the opera from out of town, they'll go back every so often go see and the next time you're going to leave that bottle of wine there for them exactly yeah Yeah. so they're great great clients um so we were talking about something else offline that i find very interesting and i think it's just part of i'm I'm human history right is like discrimination and like how to and a lot of times people don't even don't even mean to I, i don't think i think a lot of people and i share with you that kind of believe that inherently people are are good but sometimes good people still discriminate unconsciously right so how what have you seen from kind of that perspective and i think that's that's a big thing going on in our country in all countries right now as to how do we stop discriminating and giving what's fair to what's normally expected and fair to all guests and all travelers, regardless of anything. Yeah. Um, I think discrimination is an extremely interesting topic. It's also worth saying that how to avoid discrimination when you're a small operator and it's you using your gut feeling and you want to make sure that your moral compass is right and that you, you are judging based on the correct factors. And then when we take that to the whole other end of the spectrum, and we're talking about a, a larger company, you know, small, medium, getting into enterprise levels, needing to make sure that their team of agents and that their philosophy is anti-discriminatory, that that's two very different things. So happy to address the first first in that 
first of all, being aware of what you just said. I mean, I'm going to put my money on the fact that that's going to take care of 80% of it. If you're aware of the fact that you have no intention to discriminate, but your point is really just to address whether this person is right to stay and safe for me to accept, and are they not hiding something or lying about their intention, then their color or their age or their orientation or even their socioeconomic status, as long as they can pay for the stay or any of those other factors, it's going to be your check with yourself to know, well, that doesn't matter. He answered the questions or she answered the question. They agree to the rules. They understand that this is allowed and this is not allowed. Um, we actually skipped that a little bit. I think, where Mike, you mentioned, you know, asking questions is important. I think also being clear about your rules is important. So just if somebody's booking your place, saying that we don't allow music after 10 p.m. is very important and more than not saying it because the majority of guests would just listen to that rule. By you stating what's, accept what's expected, they're more likely to just adhere to that and you're gonna de-risk any possible issues before they even happen. So, so same with that, you don't want to decline a reservation because you think somebody looks sketchy. That's not a, that's not a valid reason. You wanna you know, be able to ask yourself, okay, what do I really care about? And are they going to violate that? Are they going to put the property at risk, my business at risk, my clients, my neighbors, my name and, uh, and reputation? And if the answer is no, then, then you can go ahead and accept them. And then, I mean, there's other you know, layers of defense you should have in place. If it's parties you're concerned about, you should have noise sensors in. And if it's, you wanna be on the safe side, you should have coverage as well. And there's all these other things you should be able to do as an operator to keep making money without putting yourself at risk and, and without discriminating based on the wrong factors. 100%. So let's talk a little bit more like <clears throat> from a 30,000 foot view of what auto host does from a, a screening sense that gives us operators comfort that the, the guests that we're going to have in our properties meet all of those parameters for whatever we set for our rules. Um, so, so that's actually what I touched on a little bit. I think a huge part of guests meeting your parameters is achieved by the mere fact of doing thorough and consistent screening. So by not using judgment calls and gut feelings as you grow and making sure that your process is systematic and consistent, nobody can slide, you know, slide through the hoops or like, you know, or anything. You're not going to have any issues where, well, somebody just distracted your team by asking, hey, are the pillows down or synthetic? And then your team suddenly forgot to ask, you know, whether they're coming to town to party because the team that's dealing with guests and is smiling. So I guess that happens a lot. You're so, your mindset is in guest experience and in serving your guests. And it should be, we're in hospitality. I love that, right? But sometimes those types of distraction questions stop you from wearing your screening hat. So, so I think that the systematic process, whether it's automated or you're not at that level yet is important. Um, and then, the mere fact of screening also helps de-escalate. So the fact that a guest knows that they're not anonymous, it's not a black box, you're not in Asia slipping money under, you know, a slit in the window. Your name is there, your ID is on file, you have a security deposit saved, you agreed to rules, you signed a contract, go, go and enjoy your stay. Not, not everybody's the same. Some people... <laughs> some people will have takeout and leave the place a little bit of a mess. And some people will play music louder than you'd like, but you still want to make sure that you eliminate serious fraud, you know, and like 
bad things are happening behind closed doors. It's not who they said they are. You're either your property is going to end up suffering from it, or unfortunately, you're, you know, end up being an accomplice without intentioning to be that to, to illegal activity. Or gray area of issues, smoking in the unit closes you down for a few days, right? Loses revenue. You might end up getting the security deposit they had on file with Airbnb. You might not. So I think just overall having that screening and making sure that your communication with the guest is, is consistent is still something we get to enjoy in the SDR space, right? It's not, it's not an anonymous transaction. Take advantage of that. I love it. Yeah. So what are the things that auto host does to screen if they go into like the automatic route, like working with auto host, like what is, what does that process look like? So we have a lot of data points coming into the system. Some are very basic on the surface, like length of stay and how long in advance and which channel you booked on and how many people and the property occupancy, um, kind of to, to cross out all of the obvious combinations, right? Like a one night stay on a weekend or somebody booking a, I don't know, a 15 person house for two people um, claiming it's an anniversary or, or anything like that. Or last minutes is supposedly riskier than in advance. So <laughs> there's, there's all the on the surface parameters. Then we have the information that we collect from the guest when they go through the guest portal. So you as the operator, you get a really lovely branded portal. So it's not gonna be coming from auto, it's gonna be coming from you know, Mike's, uh, Mike's rentals and they're gonna be able to, to go through the process, agree to the rules, upload their ID, get a really nice and seamless guest experience. But we end up collecting things like their ID and their selfie, and the selfie is actually used for, for matching purposes. So we wanna make sure that we avoid situations of altered or stolen IDs or fake IDs or whatever it may be. You need to be the person booking. Um, credit card gets analyzed. We look at social accounts. We look at their actual system. So again, I mentioned cybersecurity early on when we get into the serious fraud issues, you also have situations where the person booking is not who they say they are. And if there is fraud running, they won't be logging in from their computer while they're sitting there watching TV. They're going to be hiding behind VPNs or trying to mask their identity or where their location is. And, and some data points are not going to match. So if we flag any of those things objectively, we will flag a reservation for review. Um, and then other than that, any operator has their own risk tolerance. I mean, so if you say that specifically booking.com, say you just are using it and you're a little bit concerned, you can flag them for review. You shouldn't decline them all, but you can. You can set up a specific business rule to flag all one night stays that are on a weekend. You can flag any guest that is under 25. So that's kind of where we have other additional functionality in place to really match the risk tolerance of any given operator. I love it. So then auto host kind of <coughs> spits out like a, a review score or like a rating of like this, this reservation is risky based on these parameters. And then the hosts or the operators can make a judgment call to either ask more questions or decline the reservation or accept the booking. Exactly. So that's, that's really when we get to if, if, if and when you use auto host for the purpose of scaling, the automation part is also really important because the majority of guests are good guests. You just, you need to collect some information. You need to do your due diligence, but not everybody needs to be looked at like a hawk. So if you're processing 1000 reservations, then what you also get with a systematic process of automation is that, you know, the, the 913 that end up going through the system and just passing everything, 
will get verified by the process. You'll have their information, they agree to everything, everything's on file, but no further action is required from you. And that way the system will be able to actually flag the remaining 83 um, reservations that the, the, your team can then say, you know what, I need human eyes on this. And a reason for a flag could be innocent, it could be a name mismatch, and it turns out that you reach out to them and it was a husband booking for a wife, or it could be something more significant like the first three or 12 credit cards failed because they were reported stolen. And you know, the next one went through, which many systems will let it pass because it's a Boolean thing. It's like, did the payment go through or not? But you kind of want to flag it. So, and in that case, you're very likely to cancel the reservation, which is not always the intention, but in the odd cases that it really is suspicious and you're gonna, the money is not worth the risk, you're gonna go ahead and cancel that. So, so that's really the intention. And once you go to scale, automation lets you do it effectively and efficiently which are two different things i love that and i think also like taking airbnb as an example a lot of people are afraid to cancel the reservations because they don't want to have it dinged against their super host status but if you have a report from auto host that's like listen we flagged it based on these things i'm not comfortable with this like they should not be dinging you because you got a bad booking right so it's just again more um very true so you get it's, it's not, it's, it's no longer, I don't feel comfortable. Exactly. You're getting objective data points. Exactly. Um, okay, cool. I know we're getting to the end of our time here, so I want to be respectful. Um, is there anything else that you want to cover? Any questions that I haven't asked you that you wanted me to ask you? Questions that I wanted you to ask me. Um, I think I mentioned, so I told you about, we, we spoke a little bit, and I think I told you about um, Autohost Starter, which we're really excited about. So yeah, I want to hear that. So, so I spoke about autos a little bit. It is a, so it, it's an automation platform. Normally, the way we work with most of our users is that we are integrated with a PMS system that you're, that you're logged into, that you're using. Um, we're integrated with a bunch of different PMS systems, but we started recognizing that many smaller operators, and, and they might grow and become big and huge, but as they get started and risk is already there. And I mean, even E, you mentioned that you started off with direct bookings right off the bat. So we recognize that smaller operators, even if they don't have that deep technology integration yet, we're really aching for a solution to still be able to screen, to screen objectively, to be able to collect some information, to do their due diligence, to be responsible. And so we recently released um, Autohost Starter. You can actually see it on, a, I think it's starter.autohost.ai. And Starter actually lets you get started, not on an enterprise account, but just pay as you go, enter the reservation details, and it just generates that guest portal that I described to you that lets you just send a beautiful and organized and like professional link to your guest. They agree to everything. The information is still masked and encrypted. So in terms of data privacy and security, Autohost still takes care of it. And it's almost like we're, we're opening the floor for smaller operators to still be able to, to, to screen and be responsible and not just kind of say, well, no, no, get in touch with us when you're bigger. So, so if smaller operators are are interested and it's something that is important, be it whatever properties they're running, this is a great new tool. We're gonna to be running some uh, webinars and workshops soon to help out um, as you grow and scale. And if, if we can help customers, you know, use that so that at least of all of the things on their mind, at least that part is no longer in the equation, then uh, we did our part. That would be cool. I love yeah. that, I love that. And I, and I think what's so important for people to understand is, is I mean, you can go off of the gut feeling the, the whole reason and we talk about this over and over the more systematized your business is the more successful your business will be and and for nothing else 
being able to properly screen people would reduce your chance of having poor guests, which will reduce your chance of having problems with your neighbors, which will reduce your chance of having a difficult time running your property long-term. So if the business, if the idea is I'm going to grow and scale and I need longevity because every business needs longevity, the ability to properly screen somebody and reduce the chance that you have some random random gangster next door to your little Miss Susan that lives right next door to you guys is the fact that you know using them will reduce it. So I am definitely going to look into you guys as well because I... I go off of my personal gut feeling as well. Um, but a bad experience could make it or break it. I mean, yes. it can be one bad experience can be, I mean, an owner kicking you out, neighbors complaining, police calling, or just a place trashed, right? So yeah, definitely exactly. worth avoiding that and, and, you know, sleep better at night. 100%. So the... First off, before I get into the last question, first, I want to acknowledge you and thank you for coming on here and sharing, sharing all of your experiences and congratulate you. you for the amazing company that you built. Thank um, you. The last, oh, where can folks learn more about you and AutoHost? I want to get those, those in here for sure. Let's do that. So, I mean, well, we, all the information is on our website. So AutoHost.ai. Um, we have a lot of information about, I mean, the packages and the features, and we're always happy to talk. Uh, people can reach out to us at sales at autohose.ai. We're on LinkedIn. Um, I'm happy to, to connect with anyone and answer questions. So in general, I think it's a really interesting topic. And if we can help contribute and, and train better or talk, we're always happy to have that conversation. Love it. I love it. Thank you. And the last question that we ask all of our guests is... What is your number one secret to success with short-term rentals? Ooh. Oh, wow. Um, I almost want to say that I just love the industry. Like, cause I guess my short-term rental success came first from property management and then through the tool. But overall, I think that I'm a traveler and I've been, I mean, in so many places and, and nowhere as well, right? I mean, my list is, is long and it keeps growing. And I think that I'm so passionate about the beautiful side of travel and hospitality. And as a host, I mean, sure, we grew and it became a little bit less personal once there was a big team. But, but even if, you know, the small touches, meeting some guests, having those conversations, embracing it um, is, is amazing to me. And so I think that when we discovered, let's call it the ugly side of hospitality, I hate that that ruins it for the rest. So, I mean, the SDR space is in constant discussions right now. There is legal, you know, considerations. There's advocacy happening pro and against. And I just think that overall believing that this is a beautiful industry and it's here to stay and I want it to be great um, keeps our, our vision and our mission kind of headed in the right direction. I love that. That's great. Mm -hmm. Well, Ella, as always, great connecting with you. Thank you so much for coming on the Thank show. Thank you guys for having really me. That's awesome. You. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. All right. Take care, everybody. Thanks, guys. Hey, STR Nation. If you enjoyed this episode, please make sure to hit that subscribe button and leave us a review. And in the comments, let us know what topics you want us to cover on upcoming episodes, and we'll make sure to get that in the books for you. 
And if you really want to learn how to launch, automate, and scale your short-term rental business, if you want to go deeper, then check out our free masterclass at strsecrets.com.